0: you're listening to the itch a podcast exploring all things allergy asthma and immunology i'm your co-host courtney a real life allergy asthma and eczema girl and i'm your second
1: host dr payal gupta a board certified allergy asthma and immunology doctor courtney and i hope to balance each other out so that we get you all the information that you want and need about allergies asthma and immunology talking about headaches
0: today. If you have allergies or don't have allergies, but you get your fair share of headaches and or migraines, then welcome. This episode is for you. We are joined by Dr. Huma Sheikh, a board certified neurologist, headache and vascular disorder specialist. She gives us the 101 on all things headaches and migraines and lays out the connection between headaches and allergies. If you're someone who says they get sinus headaches, then you'll be sorely surprised to learn that that is not a medical condition. I know, I'm sorry about that. Finally, we wrap up by discussing ways to treat headaches and migraines. Let's do this.
1: Everyone, today we're here with Dr. Huma Sheikh, who is a headache specialist who did her training at Harvard. And she's gonna help us understand how headaches can also play a big factor for those with allergies. I have a lot of patients that come in often complaining of headaches, and they don't make it to me until you know they've been to various doctors. And I think it's just an important topic, just to understand what generally a headache is, what causes headaches, and how it might be related to different types of allergies. So that's what we're going to talk about today. So hi, Homa, how are you? I'm well, thank you so much for having me. First question that we had
2: was, can you define what a headache is? So as a headache specialist, when we think about headaches, we actually incorporate the entire head as well as the face and even down into the neck and shoulders. And so when someone comes to us complaining about headaches, we also ask a lot about facial pain, which can be your chin, your jaw, your cheeks, Um, The sinus region, and then also, you know, the top of your head, the back of your head, but also down into your neck and shoulders. So, as a headache specialist, when I think about headache, I think about an imbalance in the homeostasis of the body. And it's your body's way of telling you that something is off. And there can be a lot of different reasons for that, from genetic to environmental, secondary causes. And essentially, it's trying to figure out what part of your body is not in homeostasis. So essentially what causes pain in a headache is activation of different parts of your brain, as well as the trigeminal nerve. The trigeminal nerve plays a huge role in causing headache, but also facial pain. And the trigeminal nerve dissects into five different nerves that actually innervate a lot of your head and face, the forehead, the cheeks, parts of the teeth, parts of your ear. So the trigeminal nerve is a huge part. Um, And actually in your sinuses, as well. We'll talk about this a little bit later, but the trigeminal nerve also innervates your sinuses. So that's why there's sometimes a lot of overlap between allergies and headaches. Can I
0: stop you there before we go on? And just for anyone who's not sure, you use the word homeostasis a few times. Can you just define that for our audience?
2: Yeah. Homeostasis essentially is when your body is in balance right so when all the different parts of your body the electrolytes um, the muscles the nerves are all at us in a state where they're balanced so if you haven't had a good night's sleep for example a muscle in your neck is stiff or tight that's an imbalance so a homeostasis is now turned off and that can cause you issues So homeostasis essentially refers to balance. Okay, great. Thank you. And one
0: more word. You were talking about the trigeneral nerve and then you said it innervates.
2: Explain to us what innervate means. So essentially when we say innervate, different nerves go to different parts of our body and they then provide function. They either help you to have sensory in that part of the body or feel that part of the body or help you to move that part of the body. So some nerves are only made for sensation and some nerves are only made to help you move and some do a little bit of both. So innervation essentially means the nerve and where it's going and where it's providing function. So does that mean we have just like one big nerve that functions for the face? No. So there's a lot of different nerves that innervate uh, your head and your face. But when it comes to triggering pain or sensing pain, there are two main ones. And that's the trigeminal nerve that innervates a lot of your face. And then there's the occipital nerve that innervates a lot of your scalp and the back of the head.
0: Thank you. I feel like this is a whole new subject for us and our listeners. As <laughs> yeah. we talk about the immune system, we got that down pat, but this is a whole new ball game. So I just yeah. wanted to like set the ground and now we can go yeah. into more of the headaches. And can you give us some causes of headaches. We're going to go more specifically into allergy in a second, but just kind of a groundwork of what can cause a headache.
2: In headache medicine, we think about headache in two broad ways, primary headaches and secondary headaches. And secondary headaches essentially are Where the headache is really not your main issue, there's something else, and the headache is a symptom of that. So if you have a brain tumor, one of the symptoms can be a headache. If you develop a stroke, sometimes a symptom of that can be a headache. So essentially, in that case, the headache is not really the main disease. It's something else. In primary headaches, the headache is the disease itself. So for example, in migraine, which is a huge component of primary headaches, I think it makes up of about 90% of primary headaches. The headache is the disease itself. Migraine is a genetic disorder. It's not caused by any secondary factor and headache is a prominent symptom of it. Essentially for headache specialists, we end up seeing a lot of primary headaches and migraine is a huge proportion of that. There are other primary headaches like cluster headache and trigeminal neuralgia. And so all these causes, essentially the way that we determine which one it can be is by getting a really good history and physical examination. Sometimes we do some other tests, but for the most part, a lot of it is going to be based off of your history. But initially, when you come to see a headache doctor, if you're presenting with headaches, the big thing to sort out is, is this a primary headache disorder or is this something else going on that's giving you headache as a symptom?
0: Now, maybe you guys are asking, why are we talking about headaches? We are a podcast about allergies, asthma, and immunology. So what do headaches have to do with it? Can you
2: explain to us a little bit about how headaches are linked to allergies? Sure. So I think allergies and headaches contribute to each other in a couple of different ways. And one is that there are a lot of people who have been told that they have sinus headaches and they carry that diagnosis for many years. And it turns out it might actually be migraine. So the interesting thing is that allergies can be a trigger for migraine. The biggest trigger for migraine, which is a genetic neurological disease that has environmental triggers is stress and sleep, but weather and allergies are also really huge triggers for people with migraine. So essentially Your trigeminal nerve also innervates the area of the sinuses. So if you start to irritate that area with allergies, that nerve can also become irritated and give you pain in that region. So a lot of people sometimes get confused. They're not sure if they have recurrent sinus infections that's causing them pain under their eyes and over their forehead, or if they have migraines. And a lot of times the way to tell the difference is that if you have recurrent sinus infections from allergies or you have a lot of congestion, if you don't have fevers or nasal discharge that is discolored, it might actually be migraines that are coming from allergies as a trigger. The more confusing thing actually can be, too, that if you have a migraine just on its own from any other trigger, you sometimes can have congestion and a little bit of eye tearing or nose running. Not as severe as if you had a sinus infection, but you can have those symptoms with the migraine. So a lot of people carry the diagnosis of sinus headaches and they think it's sinus infections or allergies. And it might be really a combination of migraine that's being triggered by allergies. So For migraine, allergy season is a huge trigger. Changing of seasons in general and then going into spring is a huge trigger. And because your area of the sinuses is innervated by the trigeminal nerve, sometimes it can feel like you actually have a migraine when it's allergy season. Can you explain a little bit about what the symptoms of a migraine are? The biggest symptom in a migraine is severe head pain. And this can be over your forehead. It can be in the temples. It can be in the back of your head. It can go down into your cheeks or your jaw. And then a lot of people also have nausea or vomit, and they can have sensitivity to light, to sounds, to smells. Those are the most common. Some people can also have confusion with their headaches. They can have trouble speaking. And then also there are some people with migraine who get auras. Aura means that you have neurological signs with your migraine. So they can have numbness or weakness on one side of their body. They can have visual symptoms where they, it looks like they're seeing a kaleidoscope out of one side of their vision. Migraine can have a lot of varied symptoms. Um, Some people get dizziness. And as I mentioned, sometimes you also can feel like you're congested or your eyes are teary. Those symptoms are not very prominent, but it is possible to have them as well. And what about a sinus headache? Because
0: you say that people think they have sinus headaches, but it's actually migraine. Can you explain a little bit more about a sinus
2: headache? Most of the time, A doctor will not say that they have a sinus headache. That's more of a term that I think patients start to think about themselves. They will feel like their pain is over their forehead or under their cheeks where the sinuses are. And so they feel like their sinuses are infected or congested, and that's giving them a headache. But when you take a good history, it turns out actually that almost 90% of these patients that say they have sinus headaches actually end up having migraines. And it might be that they're migraines have more prominent congestion and nose running and eyes tearing. So they call it sinus headache, but we actually don't have that as a medical diagnosis. It's more of a layman's term that people kind of hear about and then think that they might have it based on how they're feeling.
0: And Dr. G, is that something? So I feel like this this pressure that you get in your face is something that you would have with like allergic rhinitis, for instance. Is that where you guys see the crossover as
1: well? Yeah. So essentially, you know, this is where it's really important that we work together. And if I have a patient where they're on kind of optimal treatment for their allergies, but then their primary complaint is still that their head hurts and that they're having these headaches and um, intense pain, then I really... Really look to other conditions that could be an underlying etiology, like what Huma is talking about, and having the migraine being made worse by the allergies, but not that it's the allergies by themselves are causing the headache. So, so I think it's just very important for us as doctors and also as patients to, you know, make sure that we're letting our doctors know when you're having these. Sp- particular symptoms, especially headache, so that we can figure out if there's other kind of factors involved.
0: So is there any other connection to headaches and
2: allergies of the eyes and nose that we should know about? So the other condition that sometimes can be an overlap and it might get a little bit confusing is trigeminal neuralgia. And trigeminal neuralgia is also one of the primary headache disorders where there's a lot of pain sometimes in the cheeks over the forehead, sometimes down into your jaw area. And some of these people can also have a lot of eye tearing and nose stuffiness. And so that's, again, another important distinction to make. Is it actually due to sinus sinus issues like sinus infections or allergies versus um, another condition that's kind of mimicking the pain and the symptoms of allergies. Typically with trigeminal neuralgia, the symptoms tend to be just on one side of the face and just one area. So either just under the cheek or over the eyebrow. So that can help to distinguish it. But sometimes patients, it's hard for them to really distinguish, is it just in one area or is the pain more widespread? Another really important um, headache disorder that sometimes can look like allergies is cluster headaches. And this headache syndrome happens more prominently in men and they get very severe pain behind their eye with a lot of eye tearing. Their nose will run constantly. And again, this can... If you don't know better, it can seem like it's, especially if it's in allergy season in the springtime when there's a lot of pollen, it can feel like it might be just due to allergies and they might actually be having, you know, another primary headache disorder. So it's important to ask about in these headache disorders, if you're thinking about that versus allergies, to ask about fevers, ask about what the discharge looks like, if they're having a lot of post-nasal drip, and if the symptoms are both sides of their head or just one side of their head. That sometimes can really help to distinguish one from the other.
0: Do you often say that headaches are a side effect of having allergic
2: rhinitis? A lot of people probably with allergic rhinitis and allergies do have headache as another symptom. It might not be very severe, so it might not be something that they bring up a lot, but. The sinus region is innervated by the trigeminal nerve. So it is easy to irritate that nerve and that nerve is involved in developing pain and headaches. So they might not complain of a headache necessarily, but I think if you ask, they might let you know that they have pain around the area of their sinuses or down into their cheeks or even into their ear, the trigeminal nerve, one of the branches does go into the ear. So maybe if you ask about headache, they might not say so. But if you ask about facial pain, which is kind of a part of the whole syndrome, I think a lot of them would probably have some pain as well. Or at least what a lot of patients describe to me as a pressure feeling, sometimes throbbing. So they might not necessarily call it pain, but there's a feeling of either heaviness or pressure that is not maybe as severe, but it is still bothersome. Yeah. So, I mean, thinking about all of these
1: kind of different factors for the people that are listening, what would you say are the key things that people should be aware of where they might they should be seeing not only their allergist, but potentially a headache specialist?
2: Yeah. So that's a great question. If you are having headaches outside of the time when you typically have allergies, then you want to start thinking about other other reasons for your headache. If you are also noticing that the headache tends to be on one side of your head at times, like you flip back and forth, especially with migraine. One headache can be on the left and then you get another migraine a week later and it's on the right side. But if they typically tend to be just one side of your head, then I would think about other things besides allergies. And also if the congestion and the nose running and the eye tearing are there, but not as prominent as the pain, then I would start to think about something like migraine or another primary headache disorder. And especially if you have some of the other symptoms that you're noticing that you do have sensitivity to light and you need to just go and lay down in the dark and try to get some relief or nausea is an issue, then I also would consider a primary headache disorder as possibly one of the causes.
0: I think that's I mean, that's super interesting because I have migraines and I have seasonal allergies. And I I mean, I think I can tell the difference right away because I know that it definitely happens just on one side of my face. And I can also attest to the whole pressure thing because during pollen season, I can't even wear my glasses because my face just feels like it's pushing out and it's like just moving forward. And I think if you know what a migraine feels like and you know what allergies feel like, then it's easy to distinguish the two. But if you haven't had that clear distinction, I can see how it can get confusing for someone to not know whether it is a headache or whether it is just allergy.
2: Yeah. And I actually think that's a great point. You know, there's a lot of overlap and migraine has a lot of comorbidities with it. So actually autoimmune disorders, there's some theories that they go, they're run comorbid with migraine, things like IBD, anxiety, and allergies actually tend to be higher in patients with migraine. So, making that distinction can really be difficult. And honestly, a lot of times when we treat patients with migraine who also seem to have allergy symptoms, we treat with a combination of things and to see which one is the most helpful. And sometimes it's trial and error, seeing if migraine medications are more helpful versus allergy medications versus a combination. So it's hard to always make that distinction, but I think what's important is to at least recognize that you might be having just more than allergies as a cause of your severe headaches. How do you diagnose a migraine? So migraine is diagnosed based off of your history. There is something called the ICHD criteria, and this is the International Classification of Headache Disorders. And essentially to diagnose migraine, you have to have at least five episodes where you have headaches that have specific characteristics and specific symptoms that go along with them. Some of them I mentioned, the nausea, sensitivity to light, Sound. The character of the headache is important, throbbing, pulsating. If it's unilateral, that also helps with the diagnosis. And then you have to essentially make sure that you have ruled out other secondary causes. So, to do that, we do a thorough neurological exam and we ask questions about, you know, do you have systemic findings like fevers or weight loss that might point to something else causing headache? Rarely we do imaging like an MRI or CAT scan. If you have a normal exam and your history is very consistent with migraine, we don't need to, but sometimes we'll also do some other tests to make sure that it's not a secondary headache disorder.
0: Another common thing I've see i seen is that people say certain foods give them headaches and I'm thinking like MSG, uh, aspartame and some other like junk foody things. Can you talk a little bit about these kinds of foods, like whether it's a food allergy, and a headache as a combination or it's just like a food intolerance and a headache?
2: Sure, so most of our research and most of the evidence that we have about food allergies, food intolerance and headache is related to migraine. So most of the things that I'll talk about will be related to migraine. And I think most of the studies have been done in migraine just because it's the most common type of primary headache. Essentially, it's really, really hard to study food and migraine to be quite honest because a lot of the foods that we that some patients will tell me that worsens their migraine or is a migraine trigger it's very hard to know if it's actually the cause, because a lot of times it's so hard to track everything that you ate. And then it's hard to know if when you ate something, how long it would trigger a migraine attack, right? So if you ate something yesterday and you have a migraine that night versus the day after, how do you know whether it was, it just took that much time for your body to digest and then absorb and then trigger a migraine. So a lot of the studies, unfortunately, are not that well done. And it's really hard to make a lot of factual statements. But what I do hear from patients is that alcohol is a huge trigger for their migraine. A lot of patients will tell me that gluten can be a trigger for their migraine. What I tell patients is if you do feel like a certain food could be a trigger, or if you want to work on that, that aspect of your health, then it's very important to keep a very detailed headache diary and write down the foods that you ate and when you got a migraine to help distinguish whether it could be a trigger for you so things like gluten for example if you were to stop gluten today you know there would still be traces of it like a month later in your system you know it takes a long time for it to be completely out of your system so the other thing is to really be patient with it and to really see So that's one way that food can be a trigger for your headaches or your migraine. We do know that things like you mentioned, MSG, uh, preservatives, different sugars, especially like aspartame. There's some evidence that these things can be triggers, but the studies are pretty small. In general, for migraine, it is a good idea to try to eat foods that are fresh that you've prepared yourself um, instead of foods that have a lot of preservatives in them. Those tend to be just in general um, cause inflammation, which can then worsen migraines. So in terms of like true allergies and causing migraine, I think if you do have a true allergy to something, you are going to manifest it in more ways than, than just a headache, you know, either a rash or nausea, vomiting, stomach upset. So that can kind of help figure out, do you have an actual allergy to something versus is it A migraine trigger for you. It's a little bit confusing. I think the studies on food and migraine are not that great. And so it's not really something that I talk to my patients about because it can be very, very arduous. I mean, you have to keep detailed diaries of everything you ate, throughout the day for at least a month to really try to figure out, you know, if there's a pattern to certain foods causing migraine or headache.
1: And then as far as alcohol goes, I always relate it to the
2: vasodilatory properties of alcohol. Would you say that that's true or am I just totally off? So for most people, they notice that red wine tends to be more of a trigger for white wine. And so I think it has to do with the different um, preservatives that are in there, but some of it might also be due to the vasodilatory effects. We do know that substances that help with headache, like caffeine, they help. Uh, so for some people, when they take it, when they have a headache, that's due to the vasoconstrict constriction. So it would make sense that the opposite might cause a headache.
0: When you talk about red wine, that's interesting because I've seen online, because I did a bunch of like reading about headaches and <laughs> food allergies before mm-hmm. we had this recording. And I saw that some some articles mentioned histamine as a trigger for headaches. And mm-hmm. uh, when I read about histamines, they also said something about vasodilation. Is that the co- connection that Dr. G is making?
2: So- what happens in a migraine is the initial event is there a neuron in a part of the brain becomes activated and starts to activate other neurons around it and then eventually this causes an effect on the blood vessels that are in the meninges and they become dilated and they start to release inflammatory factors and then the nerves that are around those blood vessels, they become activated. So vasodilation and vasoconstriction are part of the migraine. And so sometimes we do actually use medications that vasoconstrict to try to bring the blood vessel back to its normal position. So it's a part of it. And so sometimes histamines can cause headaches in some people, but it's not the case for everyone because it's only a part of what's actually happening in the brain.
1: And I think that this is just really important for our listeners, especially is just to remember that, you know, there's tons of things that you can see on, on online about, you know, histamine releasing foods or migraine inducing foods. And like Dr. Sheik is saying is that we really don't have evidence, clear cut evidence on particular foods being associated with uh, migraines and, and that it is different for every person. And that the only way to really figure out what's truly going on is to look at your personal history and to figure out what those associations might be for you.
2: Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's so many, I've seen books and I've seen articles on the migraine diet or how to figure out, you know, which, what to cut out of your diet. And a lot of these can be very restrictive. I mean, they take out a lot of fruits and dairy, carbs, and you know, it can actually be that none of these things are actually triggering your personal mind, your individual migraine. So it's one aspect of a lot of different ways to treat migraine. So
0: I think people go to food first because it's something they can control and they feel like they have power over that. So everyone's like, oh, well, obviously it's, you know, the milk in my coffee or it's my bagel in the morning. That's the cause of it. I think that's a very common thing that we also see in the food allergy community is people just eliminating Mm -hmm. foods left, right and center because they, have that ability to control food.
2: Yeah. I, and, and I think if the food, if they are noticing that certain foods are also causing other issues like GI issues or rashes, then it would make sense. I think that puts everything together why they're getting headaches and GI constipation or diarrhea, then that might be one big contributing factor. Actually for migraine, there's a lot of other things that you can try like meditation, mindfulness, active things that you can do to control your stress. Um, So there's a lot of things that we talk about um, when we are working on things that you can do to put the locus of control back in, in your hands in dealing with your migraine. So I think that's a great point to try to, yeah, a lot of times it can feel like you just have no idea what's going on and there's no control over how you're feeling.
0: Talking about things that help cure headaches, um, I know that people take things like aspirin and Advil and what we call NSAIDs. Mm-hmm. Uh, can we talk a little bit about what are NSAIDs? And then I want to get into NSAID allergies.
2: So none of these things cure headaches. Essentially, when I, wish, I wish there was a cure. But what you are referring to with um, aspirin and NSAIDs, these are all abortives. And that's one aspect of how to treat migraine, which is taking medication that helps the symptoms while they're happening. And that's called abortive therapy. NSAIDs are some of the over-the-counter ones. Um, so NSAID stands for non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs. And essentially these are, there's a group of them. Um, There's some that are over the counter. There are some that are stronger. So they're only by prescription. So ibuprofen, Motrin, these are all kind of over the counter NSAIDs. And then there's some stronger ones like diclofenac, Ketorolac, if you've ever heard of those. And essentially NSAIDs block some of the inflammatory factors that are being released during pain and during headache. So that's how they work, but they only work while you're having the pain and while you're having the headache essentially, or migraine. I wouldn't say that they're a good long-term strategy for migraine specifically because over time you can start to develop side effects. Like you can develop an ulcer, you can develop liver issues. So, they can work if it's something that you're not taking very often, but preventives, um, which is the other way that we treat migraine, which is to take something that works to help a migraine from even coming on, is also an important aspect of migraine care. I'm not sure about NZ allergies, to be quite honest. I'm not. Yeah.
1: So, I mean, NSAID allergies, like when people have what we call an NSAID allergy, that means that they're allergic to those non-steroidal anti-inflammatory medications. And there's a whole list of those and we can provide that um, as a resource to patients or to people that are listening. But essentially when you're allergic to that category of medications, you have to avoid other, like any medication that's within that category. And as I was saying that we do use those medications for headache treatment. And so obviously if you you have an underlying headache disorder and you have an onset allergy, then you're going to need to talk to your doctor to figure out what your alternatives can be.
0: As someone who has food allergies, allergies of the eyes and nose, and someone who has migraines, this has been a very interesting episode because I've actually never made the connection between the two of them. But I've heard a lot of people talk about headaches and allergies together, but I've never made that connection. It's been really great to hear about the different types of headaches. For instance, primary and secondary headaches. I had no idea that That was even a thing. Just to round it out, if someone is experiencing headaches, what
2: advice would you give them? If you are someone who is noticing that your headaches are becoming something that is interrupting your life, for example, you know, you're having to call out at work or you're not as productive at work or you're missing time with your family or social events, you know, it's not just something that happens once every five, six months. It's something that's pretty consistent. Or if you're noticing that you're taking a lot of medications for it, over-the-counter Excedrin or Tylenol, then it's something that you should speak with your doctor about. And I think most people will first speak to their primary care doctor, but if you don't feel like they are able to help you, they're not giving you a lot of good guidance in first figuring out if it could be a primary headache or a secondary headache, then I think it's important to try to reach out to a neurologist. What could be really helpful in the meantime, if you you have two, three weeks while you're waiting to see a doctor is to keep a headache diary and notice patterns, you know, does the headache come on when you first wake up? Or is it more towards the end of the day? Are there other symptoms that come along with it while you have a headache? For women, is it related to the time of your period? That's a huge uh, trigger for a lot of women. So kind of having that information gathered will make your first meeting with a neurologist especially much more productive. It's important if you're noticing headaches are getting in the way of your life or you're taking a lot of medications for them. And by a lot, I would say if you're needing some type of pain medication, Tylenol, Advil, sinus allergy headaches, because you think it's related to your allergies more than two or three times a week, then it's definitely time to speak to a healthcare provider about them.
1: Great. Thank you so much, Hama. This was such a great episode and so much great advice. And I think just a topic that... You don't always associate with allergies, but it's super important and we both see it in our practice all the time. Thank you so much. I'm so glad that we met through Instagram. Yeah, Uh, thank you. No, this is really great. I had a lot of fun doing it. Thank you. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Remember that all information you hear today is for informational purposes only and are not intended to serve as a substitute for the consultation, diagnosis and or medical treatment of a qualified physician or healthcare provider. And also, don't forget to subscribe to our podcast. And if you have a second, help spread the word by rating our podcast and sharing with your friends and family who might also be interested in learning more about allergies, asthma and immunology. You can always stay up to date by checking out our instagram the itch podcast where you can leave questions you are itching to know or check out our website which is www.itchpodcast.com which contains more information about the subjects we covered in today's episode and every episode until next time have a fabulous week